And you really need to know what you believe. And it comes down to the fact that many Christians, when troubles come, lose faith, not because of any other reason than they don't know what they really believe. It's why so many people get caught up in stupidities. When the age of enlightenment came, people abandoned God because they thought that knowledge and intelligence would be better. It's amazing how when people get into a need, they, they get an idea of what will meet that need. And it's not long before their faith is in something other than Jesus Christ. It's so easy to switch from what God intends you to have into some other type of faith. I find people put faith in all sorts of things. Let me tell you something. Faith in anything but Jesus Christ is a false faith. Putting your faith and trust in anything other than Jesus is folly. Medicine doesn't bring life. What it might do is it might alleviate symptoms. But I want to tell you where health cometh from. Health cometh from the Lord. I want to tell you where wealth comes from. Wealth cometh from the Lord. I want to tell you where peace comes from. Peace cometh from the Lord. I want to tell you where soundness of mind comes from. It comes from God. But it's amazing how people are trapped into believing in things other than the truth of Jesus Christ. Someone comes along with a little gimmick like a witch doctor and says, put your trust in this, put your trust in that. And you start, very subtly, putting your faith in something other than the true God. So subtle. It's easy to happen. Uh, I'm sure you've all seen the cowboy films where someone turns up in their wagon and they stand up and they hold up a bottle and they say, this remedy, you know, will sell this... The elixir for everything. You know, this potion will cure everything. It won't and there's all sorts of little witchcraft gimmicks come along new age teaching and tell you you know well uh, it's it's all in the magnetic field it's all in um, you know organic foods it's all in this it's all in that I want to tell you it's all in Jesus Christ and we need to get our faith based in the right place not based in anything else there is no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved there's no other hope there's no other savior there's no other redeemer I see people end up in death's door not because basically they're doing anything wrong but they lose faith in the one who is the source of life and put their faith and hope in other things God wants us to realize when everything goes wrong in the world where is my faith when things seem so adverse where do I put my hope I put it in Jesus Christ 
I don't put it in some other thing because I know that putting your trust in man is folly. Putting your hope in natural things is sheer folly. Does it mean that they're useless? No. There's nothing wrong with certain things. It's just that where your faith is, is where you're going to find your God is. And you can make other things a God. And when you do that, you fall into a snare of the devil. A lot of people put their hope and their trust in things that aren't God. And then all of a sudden, the realization hits them too late. Very subtle. The devil comes with subtlety. Doesn't come with horns and hooves and say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you to worship something else. The occult powers work in deception. Years ago, people used to believe, oh, well, you know, there's this remedy and there's that remedy and... Um, all you have to do is get some stinging nettles, boil them and drink the juice and it will cure this and it will cure that. People had gimmicks for cancer, people had gimmicks for this, gimmicks for everything, old wives tales, some worked, some didn't. And it's amazing today, people are trapped in worshipping the wrong thing. Health and wealth cometh from the Lord. You say, well, does medicine help? Yeah, it'll help. But it doesn't give life. At best, it kills a part of you. Jesus Christ is life. And life more abundant. And it's him that should be the source of your hope and your faith. Don't transfer it to anything else. Don't ever sacrifice your faith in God for a faith in some little gimmick. I want to tell you where help comes from. It comes from the Lord. There's nothing wrong with taking a few vitamins to help yourself. There's nothing wrong with doing things. And if, if something works, good. If it doesn't work, fine. <laughs> but don't put your faith in it. And don't make it your God. Listen to what people speak, what they concentrate on, what they think. That tells you where their God is. My hope is built in nothing less but Jesus Christ and righteousness. It's not built in some gimmick of man. And one of the things that will keep you stable is to understand the basic foundational teachings of scripture. I talked before I went away about the fatherhood of God. And I mentioned the fact that so often Christians forget that ascension was essential. And I just want to talk about it because to me, uh, one of the missing things, and, and it's one of the things that I suppose churches up and down the land are missing, is they forget to tell people that what Christ did on Calvary wasn't sufficient. What Christ did in resurrection wasn't sufficient. It was only when Christ ascended into heaven that he sent forth the Holy Ghost to establish his church and to birth it. And up to that point, 
There was no redemption that was complete. Because there couldn't be. Until the blood had been offered to the Father in the heavenlies, nothing was complete. Redemption was incomplete. And you cannot have an understanding of Christianity unless you understand what true redemption is. And you need to understand what God has done for you. And how nothing that happens on this earth is going to alter the ultimate destiny of any individual. Nothing will alter it because Christ has already done it all. It's written in heaven. It is settled forever. It's a done deal. And God has done it because he knew he couldn't trust you to do it. He knew how unreliable you are, how fickle you are, how easy it is to get snared. And so I want to look at the teaching of ascension. And you'll find in the Bible, exaltation of Christ is probably more used than ascension. It was when Christ went back to the Father and sat down on the right hand of God, on the throne. That's where everything began. And that's what my faith is based in. My faith is not based in the cross. A lot of Christians think it is. They say, oh, the cross is everything. No, 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 no. No, if it were just the cross, it would have dealt only with one thing. It was there that he took the punishment for sin. He took the punishment and became sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But there was a need for more than that. And it wasn't the empty tomb. The empty tomb was wonderful. He's risen. He's alive. But he had to become our high priest. He had to go further to do things for us that no one else could do. And I find Christians have been sold short and haven't understood exactly what has happened. And so I want to look at it this morning. I want to go through the scriptures. There are two phases in Christ's ministry. One was substitutionary. He became our substitute. He became sin who knew no sin. He took into himself your nature and my nature, the sin nature, and died to it. And you have to understand that that was only one part. He utterly defeated Satan, and he made new birth and righteousness possible for you and I. That's what he did at Calvary's tree. He was the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, and in time he came, he was born of a virgin, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. And when he was buried, so were you. All your old nature, all you were in the first Adam, was dealt with. That is the truth. And that is the first part of Christ's ministry. And if you stop there, and many people do, they stop at a point, they don't realize there's something more glorious. Hey... He rose. 
But the most important thing, the second part of his ministry, he carried the blood into the heavenly holies of holies. And he ensured eternal redemption for us. It's absolutely certain. Because Jesus is ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, there is nothing that can alter our eternal destiny. He appears there for us. And it is settled forever. And I want to look at that particular truth. Under the old dispensation, you remember the victim, the lamb or the bullet, was taken. They slit the throat, the blood poured out. But one thing happened. It was burnt. There were heave offerings, wave offerings, all sorts of things happened. The priest ate some of the the meat but in the end the life was expelled never to be given again and every year on the day of atonement they went through the same thing every year they remembered on the day of atonement all their sins and there was always a remembrance they never had a clear conscience before God and they went through ritual after ritual it never changed the people and a lot of Christians come to church and they have a ritual of confessing sins, asking God to forgive them, but it doesn't change them. It doesn't make any difference. And they go through almost a Judaic ritual every Sunday. But it hasn't changed them. There isn't a fundamental transformation by the power of the Holy Ghost because they've never understood what Jesus did for them when he ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father and he sent forth the Holy Ghost there is something so wonderful when you realize redemption's far more than that and you'll find it clearly set out in Hebrews if you turn to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 <coughs> Hebrews 1, verse 3, says this, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, Jesus Christ, after he dealt with sin, he sat down in heaven and it was finished. Nothing more that Jesus is going to do. I find a lot of Christians, they think if they pray enough and they fast enough and they do things, that then God will do something more. No, he's done everything he's going to do. Jesus has done it all. And it's finished. It's over. And there's nothing you can do to add to it. And there's nothing the devil can do to subtract from it. It's a settled thing. It's eternal. It cannot be undone. It can't be changed. It is done. It is eternal. And it is finished. And it is fixed. And a Christian who has faith in the total redemption that Jesus has purchased on Calvary's tree 
and in his ascension completed realizes that all that's happening around him won't alter the fact of eternal redemption can't God has set all things in order and they're gonna work out according to the counsel of his own will my God is in charge there is nothing happening today in your life in your body in your mind in your spirit that God is not in total control of my God is omnipotent almighty and I want to tell you there's no angel there's no devil there's no demon that is not under the direct control of Almighty God there's nothing living in heaven or earth that he does not have total supremacy over my God is almighty he's in control He's working everything out after the counsel of his own will. I'm sure the early church wondered why God allowed them to be persecuted. Why the trials and tribulations that hit them. Why some of the apostles died terrible deaths. I'm sure in the old covenant people wondered why it was the prophets were slain, sawn asunder, delivered to death. Uh, and yet they remain faithful to the God who called them you see if you don't know that your God is totally and utterly in control you'll lose faith when things go wrong and then you'll look for help from elsewhere you begin to believe ah oh, there's some solution there's only one help, our help cometh from the Lord. Don't trust in the arm of man, it isn't going to help you. Trust in the Lord. That's the place to put your trust. Hey, he's in heaven. He, he's the express image of God the Father. <coughs> You know, Charles Hodge states, talking about the exaltation of our Lord, he said, the ground of Christ's exaltation is twofold. The possession of divine attributes by which he was entitled to divine honor and was qualified to exercise absolute and universal dominion. And secondly, his mediatorial work. Both these are united in Hebrews 1, 3. And it is there said that Christ sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. First, because he is the brightness of the Father's glory and his express image and sustains the universe by the word of his power. And secondly, because by the sacrifice of himself, he made purification for our sins forever. If you look at Hebrews 8, verse 1 and 2. Let's go there. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. And the writer of the Hebrews said, look, everything we've talked about, this sums it all up. It's quite simple. 
we have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the tr sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man. You know, there's one good thing about it. Jesus sits in heaven. Man had nothing to do with it. It was always God. I love it when I come to realize that the origination of everything's in heaven. And my faith is not based on an earthly tabernacle. My faith is based in heaven. God set it in order before the world was. And everything's settled, everything's done. I was in him before the foundation of the world. I know my life's hid in him. God called me, God met me, and there was nothing for the devil, nothing that man can do, nothing that society can do. Hey, my name's written in heaven. Why? Because it was before the foundation of the earth. And Jesus is in heaven, and nothing can alter it. Nothing. My faith is based in something that's total and complete. I find a lot of people, when they live in Old Testament mythology, and they live in Old Testament and Old Covenant teachings, they are not sure of their salvation, they're not sure of their eternal redemption, they're not sure of things, and they worry about this and they worry about that. Hey, it's been settled forever. Jesus sits there at the right hand of the Father, and nothing's going to alter what he has planned to do. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 says this, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he hath entered in once into the holy place, having attained eternal redemption for us. Do you know, God has obtained eternal redemption for you, body, soul, and spirit. There's no way that it can be taken away. There's no way you can be robbed of it. There's no way you can lose it. It's a done thing that God did, and it is complete. And there comes a time in your life when God intervenes in your life. And from that point on, you have to understand that it's total, it's complete, and it's eternal. He's obtained eternal redemption for us, and nothing will change it. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 27 says this, He needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. In other words, Jesus doesn't have to keep doing things. Hebrews 2 verse 17, Wherefore, in all things, it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. One of the nice things to understand is that Jesus, when he was born of Mary, he was God, but he was human. He was both. And do understand that he wasn't somehow superhuman. He was human. He was born of the seed of the woman. And into his being, 
God impregnated himself. And Jesus Christ was both God and man. And that's why he understands how we are. He understands our feelings. He understands all things that happen in us because he was touched, it says, with the feeling of our weaknesses. He understands everything about us. Jesus came down and he brought God down to man and he brought man up to God. Both ways. And that's the wonder of redemption. That God in his grace would deign to send his son to take on human flesh and to redeem us from the curse of the law and from all our bondages and all our afflictions. He came to do it. And the great mystery is how could God do it? Well, I can't explain it. I just know it's true. And I know Jesus is alive. He's risen. I know he took my sin and your sin. I know he took my diseases, your disease. I know that he rose victorious. I know he ascended into heaven. I know he sits at the right hand of the Father. And humanity's in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. And he appears there for you and me. And our eternal destiny is secure. He's not going to do anything else. Doesn't have to. He's redeemed you and me. And my faith is in him. And everything he's done. Not in anything else. Jesus fulfilled the old covenant. He annulled the priesthood and the law of sacrifices. Do you know, there, there is such a, a, a terrible thing that comes into Christendom where people want to believe that if they do something wrong, there's something they have to do to get their life right. But I want to tell you, repentance is nothing about um, getting yourself into an attitude of mournfulness and grief. Repentance is making a decision and turning around and going in the opposite direction. It's making a willful decision. That you're going to obey God. But only the Holy Ghost can give you that power. You can't regenerate yourself. You can't change yourself. If God doesn't do it in you, it'll just be a decision you make. But when the Holy Ghost convinces you of sin, he gives you the power to be transformed by his Spirit and to walk different and live different. And that is what's so important to understand. There's a lot of religious people who try to change their lifestyle. You can't change it. Only God can do that. You can't birth yourself. Only God does that. You can't make yourself different. You can't heal yourself. You can take all the right medicines, but a miracle is better. Only God can bring life. He's the source of all life. You can kill germs, you can kill bacteria, but you can't give life. Life comes from God. You can negate a lot of things, but you can't give life. life life's, life's his prerogative. He came to give us life and life more abundant.
He came to make us whole. So many people think that there's remedies that man has. Man has no remedies. Life's in his. He's the source of all life. When Jesus said live, life came. And until he says live, you're dead in trespasses and sins. Until he speaks, you do your best. You can fight the best you can, but it won't work. It'll only alleviate things, but life's in him. He's the source of life. Hebrews 9.12 says this, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. 9.24, He entered heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Do you know, my Jesus appears in the presence of God for me and for you. That's why he's there. He's actually not uh, just sitting there uh, as just an example. He's sitting there with a purpose. God the Father knows that everyone who's redeemed, Jesus is their representative. He's our advocate. He's our high priest. He's our intercessor. And he's there. When he said on the cross, it is finished, uh, many people get make a big mistake uh, they don't understand what it means it is finished what was finished well what was finished was the old covenant that was finished the whole Judaic system was finished in fact the, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom it was dealt with it was finished the law was fulfilled Everything was done. The old covenant was done away with. There is no old covenant. It's been done away with. There's a new covenant. God established something new. And it says in Hebrews, and makes quite plain, the old is done away with. And so many people want to cling to old religion, old things, old thoughts, old ideas. But Jesus Christ did away with them all. On Calvary, it is finished, and he was announcing the finishing off. And that is why, when he arose again, before he had ascended into heaven, he gave the disciples authority to remit sin. Because no longer was it possible for anyone to go to the temple and get forgiveness of sins, because the old covenant Precepts and sacrifices had no value anymore. There was no way any man or woman could be forgiven sin between his resurrection and ascension until he said to the disciples, whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. God didn't leave man without hope. He always left them a hope. He left them away. But when he sent forth the Holy Ghost, and new birth became a reality, and man could be born of God's Spirit and born from above, and the new covenant was established on the day of Pentecost, and the church was birthed, forgiveness came through faith in his blood. 
Forgiveness came with a recognition of what he'd done for them. But up to that point, man needed an, inter an intermediary who would forgive. The high priest would forgive. The priest would forgive. They would take the blood. There was an outward ritual. Now, suddenly, there's a faith in God. So the whole of the old covenant was done away with. I'm amazed how many people live reading the Psalms and try to live like David. I don't want to live like David. He, he didn't live in the new covenant. I don't want to live like Elijah or Elisha. I have a better promise, a better hope, a better reality. And all the old covenant things were done away with on Calvary's tree Jesus announced it was finished. And so it was. I find a lot of people who don't understand crave back to those old things and old rituals and old curses and old um, superstitions. And much of what's in the Old Testament, uh, if you read it, you'll discover that the Jews, they went off into heathen lands and they adopted the practices of the heathens. They often got caught up worshipping the heathen gods. They suddenly went somewhere, and the next thing you know, God said they deserted him for following after other gods. And what are other gods? Well, some of the other gods are the health and wealth. People want health, they want wealth. And they think the remedy is elsewhere than in Christ. People chase after ideas. They try and package it up with, oh, it's scientific. Yeah, there's a lot of science around, but life cometh from God. Is there any value in it? Of course there's value in it. God put everything on earth. But I don't put my trust in that, I put my trust in him. My help cometh from the Lord. Is that plain? Medicine doesn't give life. That's why drugs have so many side effects. Because um, what actually happens is, is they're destroying. They don't give life. Now medicine, thank God, they help people. Thank God for antibiotics. Thank God for the thing. But in the end, that's not life. Health doesn't come from that. It comes from Christ. He's the source of all life. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Hello? It's so easy to transfer your faith away from the one and only source into other things and that's what the devil's whole plot is to get man's eyes off the one who's the only one and to put your trust in other things doesn't mean that other things won't help but it just means where's your faith I trust in the Lord who was able to do it
Having sealed our redemption, having made purification for sins, Jesus sat down on the right hand of God. And in Philippians 2, verse is, um, 6 to 11, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Is that plain? Hey, he's got a name that's above every name. And I love it. God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name this is above every name, that it is, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. Do you realize that everything has to bow to Jesus? Everything. Jesus is omnipotent, supreme, and the only source of life. He's the only source of help that will bring real life. No, you can bring death to yourself, but you can't bring life. You can be, bring death to things that afflict you, but you can't bring life. Only Jesus does that. He's the source of all life. And that is why divine healing and miracles are so essentially a part of the gospel. I find a lot of people, they put their trust in other things. That is a deception, a new age teaching, a lie of the devil, and totally demonic. There is only one God, and only one source of life, and only one who's the creator of heaven and earth, and one who rules in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and his name is Jesus. He's the only one who's promised redemption. He's the only one who's taken your sin and my sin into his own body. He's almighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords, and he reigns and he rules. And he's the source of all life. Don't put your trust in anything else. Don't believe in anything else. If you're a Christian, Christ is all in all. My faith is built on nothing less than what? Don't ever forget it. Hmm? You know, you say, well, you know, medicine can help. Yeah, well, medicine can help. What will medicine do? Well, it's chemicals. You're a chemical factory. It'll alter, alter your chemical makeup. A source of life. 
is the Lord Jesus Christ. I took my vitamin C. My wife insisted, she, you know, she's in Tulsa still doing, doing a doctor of ministry, trying to get a demon. Um, uh, not a demon, demon. Uh, and, and she's out there doing, doing a course. She said, now, when you get home, take your vitamin C, take this, take that. Now, I take all these little pills. You know? I do. Because my wife told me to. And you should always obey your wife. <laughs> I take these. But I know. I know one thing. It's not a source of life. Source of life is Jesus. Some things, they've refined food so badly that you need to take supplements to make up for the things that people have done in sticking chemicals everywhere. That's the way it is. So I, I take them. Does it help? I don't know. I really don't. It don't taste too bad, so I take it, and it makes my wife happy. She thinks, you know, well, but it's not the source of life. Life comes from God. In the um, kind of words, lets me take John Flavel. He was a 17th century English Puritan. The gospel offer of Christ includes all his offices, and gospel faith just so receives him. To submit to him, as well as to be redeemed by him, to imitate him in the holiness of his life, as well as to reap the purchases and fruits of his death, it must be an entire receiving of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tozer said, to urge men and women to believe in a divided Christ is bad teaching. No one can receive half a Christ or a third of a Christ or a quarter of the person of Christ. We're not saved by believing in an office or in a work. He is Lord, and those who refuse him as Lord cannot use him as a savior. He's Lord of all. If you need help from God, I want to tell you, whether it's physical healing, whether it's spiritual healing, whether it's in your soul, in your mind, in your body, in your spirit, it is Jesus Christ who's the source. He's the only source of life. He alone is the author and finisher of our faith. He alone is the one who delivers. Is that plain? Is that plain? Does that mean medicine's wrong? Not at all. Medicine has a part to play. If you've got a disease, you come to God and you ask God to heal you. You believe in the source of life, who's Jesus Christ. Medicine will only do damage to your body, but it'll also do damage to disease. It'll do damage to sickness, but what it won't do is give you life. Medicine doesn't do that. An antibiotic's there to kill. 
It kills what's harming you. It <laughs> doesn't give you life. Chemotherapy kills, don't give life. Lots of medicines, they're there to attack what's harming you. Thank God for them. I'm not against them. But you need to realize where life comes from. It comes from Jesus Christ. Health comes from Jesus Christ. God will do what God does. Don't ever think medicine will be a substitute. Your faith should always be in him. That's one of the wonderful things when Oral Roberts... Uh, tremendous healing ministry he said you can combine medicine and faith but understand what each does don't get it out of perspective because when you get it out of perspective it becomes a God <laughs> it's not a source of life my brother-in-law was um, the first professor in pediatric cardiology, the youngest professor at Great Ormond Street in pediatric cardiology. He worked there <coughs> and he said to me, and, and he was the one who worked out the equipment that, that did catheterization of young babies. And, and he said to me that a doctor and medical people can do what they can do, but only God gives life. They can do their best but there's a power beyond their best. His name is Jesus. And it's in him we trust. It's in him we hope. It's in him alone. He is the God we worship. Make sure you don't have another God. Is that plain? I see people making substitutes. I hate it. He's Lord, that's it. Ephesians 1, 20 to 22, which he roared in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Hebrews 2, 8, thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. We don't see it, but it doesn't mean it is not so. Everything's in subjection under the feet of Jesus. He's put everything. Everything's put under his feet. We don't see it, but it does not mean it is not so. We think that man can make his own decisions. I want to tell you, I've got a God in heaven who's in control. I've got a faith in a God who's almighty, omnipotent. I can't stand up and sing a hymn saying how I believe in a mighty God if I don't believe in his total control. And when things are at their worst, Jesus was taken in front of Pontius Pilate and Pilate turns to him and says, Don't you know I have the power of life and death? And Jesus said, You have no power except it's given you from above. Stupid Pilate. Don't you know there's a God? Herod made a great oration and people said, His God is in control and God smote him. 
My God is mighty. Almighty. When we come and we begin to praise God, we want to remember he's in control of everything. I don't put my trust in anything but him. He's the source of all life. That's where my faith is. And that's where your faith should be. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 27, For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put unto him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. Obviously, God the Father is not subject to Jesus. That's all it's saying. But once again, you'll find the scripture says everything's under his feet. That's why for a Christian... Doesn't matter what's going on in society, doesn't matter what's going on in the world, doesn't matter how hopeless things seem, doesn't matter how desperate things seem, I want to tell you, my God is in control. He rules, he reigns, he's supreme, and I believe him. Doesn't matter how disease ravishes you, I want to tell you, everything's under his feet. He is all-conquering, almighty. He's exalted over all created beings. Ephesians 4.10 says that he ascended that he might fill all things. That's what happens when the Spirit is poured out. The Spirit's been poured out on all flesh. And he's come. And when Jesus ascended, it was for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The filling blessings of the ascension are given to all saints. Ephesians 4 says, Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I believe this, that, uh, and it was interesting, while I was in America, Oral Roberts said he had his fifth vision, and fifth time God spoke to him audibly. And I'm getting a tape of it, and he asked all the faculty to come and all the people, graduates, to come. And he spoke for an hour and a half. And it was interesting. What he said uh, <laughs> was actually what I've always believed. And that is that when a man is born again, he is baptized in the Holy Ghost. There's only one experience. Whether he speaks in tongues or not does not alter the fact that he has been baptized in the Spirit if he's born again. There's only one experience. Oral says that when he was born again, God filled him with his Spirit. But he didn't know at the time about the gifts of the Spirit, so he didn't speak in tongues. He spoke in tongues later on. But there's no doubt in his mind that he was filled with the Spirit. I've always said that. When I was born again, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you're born again, you're baptized by one Spirit into one body. One experience. If you have to have a second blessing, it's because you weren't blessed right the first time. That's all. 
The gifts are there for everyone. Interesting, uh, I'll get hold of a copy of the tape so you can all see it. They made a copy. But it's so important, he said there was the fifth time God spoke to him about the revelation of how you must be born from above. And he shared it with all the faculty. And I listened to it and I thought, well, there's nothing new here. I've always believed that. And the more he spoke, the more I thought, as I was sitting there, well, what's new? I came to it when I got born again. But so had he. But he really felt it needed re-emphasizing. Because so many people are getting pushed into false experiences, false ideas, false notions. Hey, redemption's complete in Christ. You are complete in him. It's been done. We've all got a measure of the spirit for the good of the church. It's not given for all men to be pastors, nor is it needed for if it... If all were shepherds, where were the flock, says Spurgeon. You know, there's a lot of people think that, oh, well, I'm called to the ministry. And they want to get into the ministry. It's amazing how all the wrong people want to get into ministry. If you're called and sent of God, fine. If you're not, for goodness sake, don't try and be what you're not. And the way you'll know that you're called is that the church will recognize it. Spurgeon writes this, Pray the Lord to send true pastors and true evangelists. Christ procured them by his ascension. Let us not forget this. What? Shall it be thought that the blessings of the crucifixion are worth the having, and the blessings of the resurrection worth receiving, but the blessings of the ascension are to be regarded with indifference? or even with suspicion. No, let us prize the gifts which God gives by his Son. And when he sends us evangelists and pastors, let us treat them with loving respect. Psalm 68, verse 18, Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. You know, the gifts are for the good and the gifts are for the rebels. God has given gifts to all men. That's one of the mysteries. There are some stinkers who still seem to have gifts. They're not exclusively for those who want to live right. They seem to go to those who don't. That's why I sometimes there's gifts of healing. And I've prayed for people who I'm... When you look at them, they don't deserve anything from God. God heals them. The gifts for the rebel as well as for the good. Don't ever forget it. When the multitudes came, Jesus healed every one of them. There were some people that were genuine and really loved God. The others were right villains. They still got the gift. God's no respecter of persons. He'll give gifts to men because he loves them. Great mystery. John 12, verse 32, Jesus said, If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Who's going to be drawn? All men. Who to? Him. 
make sure you're not drawn to other things. One of the things that uh, was so plain, Jesus said, your eyes got to be single, then your whole body will be full of light. It's not Jesus and, it's Jesus alone. Jesus and this, Jesus and that, no, Jesus is the source of life. The only hope we have is in him. And if you put your trust in other things, you've actually made a God of something other than Christ. Hebrews 7 verse 25, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save all, also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. He's able to save us to the uttermost. Do you know, God can do everything you need. You don't need anyone else. I'm not saying abandon everything else. I'm saying know who the source of life is. It's God. He's able to save us to the uttermost. And the teaching in Acts 2, verse 33 and 4, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. Acts 3, verse 20 and 21, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Acts 5.31, Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a saviour, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Acts 7, verse 55 and 56, But he, this is Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. The biblical teaching is this. We've died with him, we were buried with him in baptism, have risen with him through the faith of God who raised him from the dead, so also we've been made to sit together with him in the heavenly places and have obtained an inheritance in him. Is the heir of our salvation, and we're heirs of salvation. All right? Is that plain? Who do you put your trust in? In no other name. No other thing. Jesus. He lives. He reigns. He rules. Colossians 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Don't get hooked up with things down here. Get your affections, get your whole attitude set in a heavenly direction. Hey, my Jesus is alive. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's the source of all life. He's able to save you and me to the uttermost. He's able to do everything. I don't need anything else. 
He is the source of all life. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop eating. Health cometh from the Lord. Amen. I want you to get your eyes back onto Jesus. Hey, everything's under his feet. Don't ever let your mind and your heart wander from where your faith should be. My faith is in him. My faith cometh from the Lord. Stand up. There's some of you here that need to repent. You've made something else your God. It's not Jesus and. It's Jesus alone. He's the source of life. Don't ever think there's life in any other. Or in any other thing. There's only life in him. Everything's under his feet. He's able to save to the uttermost those that come to God by him. He's able to change everything. My trust is in him. My hope is in him. My faith is in him. It's Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone. Life flows from no other. Help cometh from no other. The very best that's in the earth, he created. That which you call medicine, I want to tell you, God put it on the earth. Came from him. Everything comes from him. Your faith must be solely in him. Not in another God. I want to tell you, the devil subtly comes in to lead people astray. Plausible. But when you start putting your belief and faith in it, you're taking it from Christ. My faith is in him. Is that plain? Hello. Is it plain? Now, I'm not saying if you get a headache, take a Panadol. But realize health cometh from the Lord. If you're tired, have a coffee. Wake you up. Have a good breakfast. But realize that health cometh from the Lord. Everything comes from God. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Don't look round. You know, I felt so stirred to 
bring the realization to every heart. Hey, I don't want you to believe another gospel. I don't want you to listen and believe in another hope. I don't want you to be snared by another truth. And suddenly you find that your faith is in something other than him. It's Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Only Jesus. There's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. Body, soul, and spirit. There's no other hope. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God by Him. There's nothing in your life there's no need in your family, your home, your body, your being that Jesus Christ cannot heal to the uttermost. Everything's under his feet. Of those things which are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth there is nothing that is not under his feet he's ruler of heaven and earth he's king of kings he's lord of lords he's the almighty God a wonderful saviour You know, it's time to abandon every other God, every other hope, every false thing, and put your trust in Him. Father, I just pray for each one here this morning. Lord, you know the state of every heart, every life. You know the needs of each one. Lord, we've come this day to acknowledge you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We've come this day to worship the living God. We don't want to share that glory with any other. You are the source of all life. You uphold all things by the power of your word. You are almighty God. You are omnipotent. Everything's under your feet. Your name is above every name. And Lord, we want to acknowledge you for who you are this day. We want to praise your name. We want to lift you up. Lord, I just pray for each one here. Turn their hearts back to faith in you. Let us abandon all other hope and put our hope 
in the one who never fails. Let our hearts be knit with thine. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to redeem us. Thank you the redemption is sure, is certain. Put your hand on your chest, each one of you. Close your eyes, put your hand on your chest. I want you to say after me, dear Lord Jesus, this day, I take you as Lord in every area, all things are under your feet. You are the Lord of all. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You rule. Your name is above every name. You save to the uttermost any who come to you. Lord Jesus, this day I put my whole trust in you alone. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for what you did for me when you died, when you rose, when you ascended into heaven and poured out your spirit upon my flesh. Thank you, Jesus, that you are who you are. You are almighty God. You are my only hope. You're my source of life. I acknowledge you this day as my savior, my redeemer, my Lord, and my King. Amen. Isn't that simple? Isn't that simple? Hello? Isn't that simple? Don't ever lose sight of it. 